Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, friends. Uh, welcome to another season and episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends Show. I'm your host, Cal Aras. And today, I am super excited to be introducing to a good friend of mine, Michelle Dalbeck. Michelle's a passionate, professional-level teacher and educator and a yoga instructor. She hosts educational and experiential yoga programs, delivers dynamic and motivational workshops, and directs professional teacher trainings all over the country. And she teaches with the intention to inspire authentic alignment, expression, and movement. Now, whether she's teaching restorative yoga or vigorous vinyasa, meditation, or conscious communication, she leads with an inquiry-based approach that empowers students to realize their full potential and individuality. Michelle believes that yoga is for everyone, a lifelong journey of self-discovery and growth, both on and off the mat. Friends, uh, Michelle is also the lead yoga teacher trainer at Kirpalu Yoga Retreat, uh, based out of Lenox, Massachusetts, and she also has her own thriving yoga practice. So in this episode, uh, Michelle and I talk about the various and different aspects of yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and how does that apply to everyday living and the benefits on leadership as we navigate through challenging times. I hope you enjoyed this uh, conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Michelle Dalbeck. Hey, good afternoon, Michelle. Welcome to another season and episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really excited and super delighted that you took the time to be on this program. And let me start off by saying how we first met. It was like almost a few years ago when I had this beautiful opportunity to uh, visit Kripalu Ashram in Lenox, Massachusetts, as uh, most of you may know. And I had this incredible experience of taking this summer camp for adults with Michelle, with you and Jess. And it was one of the best experiences I've had in so many years uh, I mean, it just made you feel like a kid, but yet take, uh, and we'll talk more about it, but it was such a beautiful experience. And I know uh, with your wisdom and your, uh, you know, yoga experience and everything and having you on the show and share your story uh, will be such a delight for my audience. So again, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Cal. It has been a long time coming for us to have this chat, and I'm so excited um, and so happy to be here with you today to to talk with you and offer some some um, ideas and words to your audience. Absolutely. And and one of the ways we uh, kick off our show, uh, Michelle, is by asking our guests a simple yet profound question, and that is... Uh, What's your favorite quotation or philosophy that you live by and how have you applied it in your life? Mm. So I think that um, one of my very favorite quotes that I 
I hooked into many, many years ago. And I love poetry. I love quotes. I bring them into my teachings all the time. And this one has just stuck with me um, as a standard over the years. In fact, I'm looking at the book right in front of me where I got it. Uh, John Kabat-Zinn um, and his quote, simply bearing witness changes everything. Mm. Simply bearing witness changes everything. And for me, you know, that was one of the biggest gifts of yoga and still is for me is that it, it is about being present and that there's not so much, so much will and, and struggle that I have to do to make change happen in my life that, that really a big part of it is just coming awake and, and being able to, to witness my life. So. No, I like that. And it's, it's such a beautiful point that you make, uh, Michelle, that, you know, being a witness allows us to be present, to, uh, to savor uh, the present moment of existence that we all live in and not try to get to some destination. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment. Um, out of curiosity, I, I, I know that you're originally from the West Coast. Isn't that correct? Are you from California? That's where you grew I up? I am. What yeah. a great memory. Yes. <laughs> I grew up in uh, the northern, the Bay Area up in Northern California. Yeah. Right. So, so what was like growing up for you? How was your childhood? Who were your influences growing up? And, oh, my uh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you end up moving to the East Coast? um so you know it's interesting it's like asking a fish how it is swimming in the water I you know California was great I loved it uh I grew up in Silicon Valley really before it became Silicon Valley um so there was still orchards um fruit orchards and nut orchards around um, I had a really beautiful simple childhood and um I grew up kind of throughout school from kindergarten through even through some of college with the same friends and um, life was wonderful. I lived near the beach and near the mountains and in the valley. So it was, you know, it was a really beautiful uh, existence in California, but then I got the urge to, to follow, you know, a, a beloved of mine and uh, that relationship took me across the country and I lived in many places before I settled up here in um, Massachusetts. So, yeah. No, that's so great. And I, and, and I want to get more into your journey as a yoga instructor as well. And, you know, just for the benefit of the audience, uh, Michelle is a passionate professional level yoga teacher and she has Many, many certifications. Uh, it's it's all about 1,000 hours of Kripalu uh, yoga. You're a lead yoga instructor. You also lead the yoga camp for adults at uh, Kripalu. You're a teacher's trainer. Uh, also certification from Yoga Alliance. So how did this journey begin for you, Michelle? I'm curious. And, and by the way, I'm looking at your website, and you have this beautiful quote in there saying, Tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life, Mary Oliver. Oh, that's such a beautiful yeah, It really <laughs> is. That is like, to me, that's, that's another one of my standards that has stuck with me is like that struck my heart when I read that it was from um, her poem, the summer day. 
And, you know, just what do you want to do with that one wild and precious life that you have? Um, so it's interesting. I actually never took yoga while I lived in California. It interesting. Was, I know that. Yeah. So I, you know, my journey into yoga, um, we could call it a happy accident. We could call it, you know, we could call it by chance it, or destiny, you know, what, however you choose to look at it. And um, I stumbled upon yoga in my late 20s. Uh, I was on vacation and took a yoga class with some friends. And I was like, mm, this is interesting. I think I like it. And when I went back home, I was living in South Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia at the time. And lo and behold, within a month, a yoga studio opened up and uh, in a neighboring town. And there weren't very many yoga studios that day. It wasn't as mainstream as it was is now. They weren't, you know, it wasn't yoga in every single facility, gym and, and, and all that like it is today. And I started practicing. And I remember... Um, you know, I had practiced maybe for six or eight months. And then I flew home to spend some time with my mom in Northern California. And within about 15 minutes of being in the car with me driving in uh, rush hour traffic in the in the Bay Area, my mom turned to me and she said, who are you? And what did you do with my daughter? And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you saying, mother? And she said, you're just so, like, there's something different about you. You're just, you know, there was a, there was a poise and a presence that yoga brought out in me that wasn't there. I was, you know, I was always a little high strung. I was, uh, as a, as a kid and a teenager, I, you know, I had a, a, a lot of, um, you know, the, the roller coaster of emotions that most kids and teenagers and 20 somethings deal with. And I, you know, I, my roller coaster ride was a wild one. You know, the emotions within, you know, an hour could span the globe. So I think that was one of the first things my mom noticed about me after not seeing me for a number of months after I started practicing. Um, and if this, if this, uh, California Valley girl, high strung, you know, and yoga can take a hold and give me some tools to navigate all the um, stressors in life, all of the, you know, challenges that that people face day to day that I was facing day to day. Like, I, you know, I really, really was like, wow, there is something happening here. Because for me, when I first started, it was really just, I loved the way it felt in my body. I loved a great stretch. I loved, you know, moving my body in all sorts of different ways and all strange shapes and trying to stretch and do all those things. But um, it's interesting because back then I had no idea what the philosophy of yoga was, right? I didn't know anything about the philosophies and all I thought yoga was, was simply just postures on a mat and maybe a little bit of breath in there as well. Um, but as I, as I got deeper into yoga and I started to study some of the philosophies, I realized that the yogis, the ancient yogis, they really believed um, that we were a multidimensional being that we, yeah, we had a physical body and we could do things with that physical body. Um, and we do every moment of every day. Uh, but there was a part of us that is this 
animating force, right? It's our energy field. It's our energy. It's our breath, our life force. Um, and that was part of who we were or are. And then the yogi said, but you're not just a body that's animated. You have a mind, you have thoughts and feelings and emotions. And that is actually part of the, an aspect of who you are as well. And you not only have a thinking mind, but you have an intuitive part of you as well. And, and you have a thinking mind, you have an intuitive mind, and then you have this part of you that is just pure radiant light or bliss, they called it. And that, that really yoga addresses everything and that you can't do any of these practices, whether it's postures on the mat or the breathing practices or meditation or any of the other myriad practices that are under the big umbrella of yoga without it affecting all of you. So even though I went in through the portal of the body and everything feeling good and stretching, it had this ripple effect on me that gave me this sense of, of grounding. It gave me poise. It brought a little bit more peace and, and steadiness to my life, um, a little bit more clarity and definitely more compassion. No, that's, that's really beautiful. And uh, so, so I get that the real uh, hallmark of a yoga practitioner and people who are listening to this who are leaders in their, in their own individual domains, one of the perks, if you will, or the byproducts of yoga, practice of yoga, is the, the poise and the presence that you can take with you in everyday life. And I can tell you from experience that that is such an important uh, virtue, especially if you're dealing with not only in life, but in the business world as well, because as you interact with your clients, as you interact with your customers and, uh, you know, having the ability to be grounded and to have that uh, presence and to be able to listen deeply and attentively can make such a difference between success and, uh, you know, losing the deal, if you will. And I I totally agree with you on that. So let me ask you this, uh, Michelle. So so you started taking yoga classes and uh, and I want to kind of like, you know, trace the path all the way to Kripalu there. So Mm -hmm. what were the certifications you kind of like decided to take along the way? And what were some of the strategic inflection points along the way? And let me ask you this. What I mean by that is, you know, as you uncover this journey, there are certain things that we know at that point that this is something that I really want to do for the rest of my life, because, uh, you know, we all have these different passions and uh, sometimes our current reality may not allow us to fully follow our passion. And I want to talk to you about that as well. But how did you know that this was it? And I'm going to go full in. What was like, was there a moment for you or? You know, um, I've been thinking about this and, um, I get asked, I actually get asked this quite a bit uh, as a trainer in the school of yoga, like, well, what, when did you want to start teaching yoga? How did you know? So it was interesting because the very first uh, teacher, uh, yoga teacher that I had, uh, had a certification from Kripalu Center. She lived in South Jersey, where I lived at the time. And she asked me if I'd ever want to become a yoga teacher. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I've never even thought of that. Um, 
And then life happened, life circumstances happened. I moved, I moved to Connecticut and looked around for uh, a new yoga studio and happened upon a yoga studio above, um, above a sporting goods store that was in a, an Arthur Murray dance studio in a <laughs> tiny little town. And I was just like, nothing like I thought a yoga studio would be, you know? And I walked in and the moment that I met the owner and the teacher, I just, I felt at home in her presence. I felt at home in her classes and her teaching. And of course she too was a Kripalu yoga teacher. And after a while she said, have you ever considered being a, a yoga teacher? And you know, Kripalu is just right up the road a couple of hours away. So um, thinking back, I was like, you know, I've always known my whole life that I wanted to be a teacher. Like, and if you ask my friends from childhood, I would definitely, they would have predicted that I would have been a teacher. Maybe it's because I'm bossy or I like to talk a lot. I don't know. <laughs> I like to be in charge of things. But, um, you know, I had tried teaching in a lot of different other um, venues and ways and nothing ever felt like home to me. And yet somehow I knew that teaching yoga was going to be the thing for me, it was going to be my destiny, or as in yoga, we call it your dharma, right? Your life's calling, mm -hmm. your life's purpose. And so I decided Kripala was only a couple hours up the road. I might as well go take my training there. Little did I know that it is, you know, Kripala is the largest yoga center in North America. And they have a, you know, a really tight, and long lineage uh, outside of the retreat center that it is. And, uh, and there has been so much work done over the years at Kripalu Center, um, over 40 years, and uh, that to really, really build the, the lineage and the tradition of Kripalu Yoga. And so I was really stepping not only into a teacher training, but I was stepping into um, a history. I was stepping into a lineage. And beyond yoga, I knew that I wanted to be a Kripalu teacher. And eventually I knew I wanted to be a Kripalu teacher at Kripalu Center. And, and here I am. <laughs> No, that's such a beautiful story. So let me, uh, let's go back down the memory lane, uh, Michelle. So do you recall the moment you uh, stepped for the first time on the gardens of Kripalu Ashram? Like, what was that uh, experience like? So, you know, that's an interesting question. And I remember driving up the, the road to Kripalu Center and looking at it, it sits up on a little bit of a hill. And so I looked up at it and I thought, there's no way. There's no way that that's the building. The building is massive. It was built originally to be a seminary for Jesuit priests. So it's very austere looking. It's very um, utilitarian looking. Um, and, you know, they weren't so, they weren't so concerned with aesthetics back, you know, back then when they were building it, uh, for the brothers. And, um, so I just kept telling myself that can't be it. It's just, oh, you know, so finally, you know, accepting that that was Kripalu because there was a sign. So there was no denying, <sighs> drove up the driveway 
and got out and the grounds are spectacular. Um, 125 acres. Uh, originally, they are look over massive sweeping lawns down to the lake, the Stockbridge Bowl or Lake Mackinac. And, um, and it's interesting about the property itself. The property itself um, was a property that the Mohicans were on. Um, of course, years later, the the Jesuits took over and 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 built their their uh, seminary on it, and then the Kripalu Fellowship took it over before they became uh, before it became Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health. Um, so this has always been it has always been a land for community, and I really could feel that when I stepped on the land that not only in the building, not only with our lineage, but on the land, there is a sense of, of um, communion. And I loved that about Kripalu Center. And then everything about the retreat center really is about building community, about supporting people, about empowering communities, um, and, and offering them these tools through the transformative wisdom and practices of yoga, whether it's um, whether it's, you know, a mother, uh, you know, taking these practices home to her family so that, you know, her family can, she can offer these uh, little gems of wisdom and tools to her family, or a teacher taking it back to her, his classroom or her classroom, or an executive taking um, these tools back to their workplace. So. No, that's great. And I can totally, uh, attest to everything you just said because it's such a beautiful campus and I mean you've got everything out there literally except for an ocean but you have the lake you can do the you can do kayaking and you can do uh, you know stand up paddle boarding and uh, there is this uh, nature walk you have the Japanese tea ceremony and there's amazing food the delicious food that uh, the cafeteria and we got this one of the world-class chefs out there and it's such a, and, and the beautiful, the best part about it is it's like the people up at Kripalu. They're so mm-hmm. radiant and so beautiful and so giving. And it's just, uh, it's amazing energy that you can feel as soon as you step onto the campus. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you went to Kripalu and then uh, did you start taking teachers, become a certified instructor right away? Or did you start, uh, took some time to get take classes and then decide to become an instructor or how did that journey unfold? So because I had Kripalu teachers before I went and um, I got, I really got to pick their brains about Kripalu center. I felt like I did my due diligence about Kripalu center. Um, I took a, I took a day trip up there one time just to check out the campus. Like I said, and I drove up and went, this can't be it. Are you kidding me? This can't be it. Um, I, Cause I was expecting in my mind something very different. Uh, but of course the moment that I stepped outside the car and, and into the building, you know, all of that preconceived notion dissolved into this beautiful, um, beautiful community that it was and still is. And so um, after doing my due diligence with my teachers at home and visiting just at one time, I knew, I knew that it was the place for me. So I went up, 
uh, in November of 2003 and I, or October, November of 2003. And I lived at the center for a month and I did my teacher training and I walked out of there a certified teacher and went back to Connecticut and started teaching right away. And I taught, I've been teaching really full time since then. One of my favorite ways to spread the message of a mission here at Wisdom of Friends is through speaking. Over the last two years, I've delivered keynotes and workshops at professional associations, small and large companies, on topics related to engineering happiness, how to boost productivity, employee engagement, and workforce stability for bottom line results, and the science of happiness and the art of fulfillment. So if you think I'll be a fit for your upcoming event and want to learn more, visit the speaking link at wisdomoffriends.net and get in touch. Again, it's the speaking link at wisdomoffriends.net. What I really appreciate and like about your yoga practice and your yoga classes is that, you know, you teach with an intention to inspire, you know, alignment and expression and movement. And the restorative yoga practice that I experienced uh, during the summer camp, that was one of my favorites because it literally lets you just unwind and take out all the stress from just your mind and body and just get to a state of total peace and tranquility. Uh, And just for the benefit of the audience, uh, Michelle says, she said she's been teaching for many, many years. She's got a 500 hour uh, a certification with the Yoga Alliance, 1,000-hour Kripali Yoga teacher. She's uh, a trained Kripali Yoga teacher trainer, a rice facilitator, a restorative yoga teacher, meditation teacher, and the list goes on and on and on. And that's so uh, amazing. What you've accomplished in such a short career, Michelle, it's just fantastic. Uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, were there any uh, specific yoga teachers or mentors that uh, you were influenced by growing up? or uh, that you admired or you appreciated uh, that you want to give a shout out to that's made a difference for you? Oh, yes. Um, You know, I always say I stand on the shoulders of giants, right? I have had some amazing teachers over the years. Uh, One of my favorite meditation teachers, I've gotten um, the opportunity to study with him Um, And the blessing to actually co-teach with him uh, for a number of years, his name is Jonathan Faust, uh, and he is down uh, right now in the Washington, uh, D.C. and Virginia area, and he is just one, he is... He was an original ashram member when Kripalu was an ashram and they had residents that lived there and they lived in a community with a spiritual leader. Um, And he just is a wealth of wisdom, both about yoga and Buddhism, but he merges the ancient practices with modern day science. And he really is beautiful about merging kind of the, the, the wisdom traditions and and kind of the esoteric practices with with um, you know the business world and modern day life, and I love that he teaches yoga uh, to a lot of the uh, politicians and business leaders uh, in in Washington in the Washington area. So I love Sudhir. Um, 
one of my other favorite teachers that offered me so much over the years, so much uh, growth. I love his playfulness and his um, also his depth and wisdom. He was another uh, lineage holder, we call them, um, or an ashram member, Devarshi, Stephen Hartman. He's out in uh, Palm Springs, California now. You know, he really took my practice from, from feeling um, very scripted and one-dimensional to feeling playful and alive as a teaching practice um, and, and really encouraged me to to really not think so much about being kind of the teacher in front of the classroom, but, but really the, uh, a guide on this journey. And so mm-hmm. that's really how I see myself as, as a teacher is, is um, I'm a stage setter, right? I, I set the stage for people to come in and be in charge of their experience in a class and I want to set a stage that is very permissive when people come in. I want people to feel like they have, that they are, which they are, totally in charge of their experience as they go. So that when they have that moment of transformation, when they have that moment, that aha moment or the realization um, or things shift for them, they know it is their doing. And so I like to be a stage setter and I also like to be an educator. Uh, I have a particular passion about um, the body and anatomy. So I bring a lot of that in so that people can, I really want to help people become more embodied um, in the physical body that they live in, but also the heart, right? Also their, you know, the, what's living in their heart and what's living in spirit within them as well as their as their physical function. So I like the the physical alignment of things, but I also like that inner alignment of of intention and purpose and passion um, to all come together. So yeah. No, that's uh, really well said. I mean totally that's awesome. Uh, any books that you've read on this journey that have uh, that you would like to recommend for the audience who might be curious about yoga and the practice of uh, the Eastern esoteric philosophies? Yeah. Um, well, I think that you know if if people are if folks are interested in Kripalu yoga at all, and it's a you know it's a fascinating practice because unlike some of the other yoga traditions where you can identify um, them by uh, a a particular set of postures that they do in an order or, um, uh, you know, you do it in a heated room or, you know, it it has some other kind of a quality to it. Uh, Kripalu yoga really is an approach to the practice. So the, the menu of what can be in a Kripalu class is, is so vast. It is, you know, we have, you can teach a Kripalu class um, gent, in, a, in a gentle manner because I teach gentle Kripalu yoga. I teach an intermediate style yoga. I can do it for beginners. I can do a vigorous vinyasa flow, um, but it's all through this lens of Kripalu and, um, and the approach that, that we take to the practice itself. So there's a book called Kripalu Yoga on and off the mat and it's a wonderful peek into 
kind of the inner alignment that I was talking about, as well as the as the outer alignment, the physical practices that you can do. So, and we'll include I that love, in our show notes. Yeah, definitely, yeah. so that people can find out more about it. Uh, here's a hypothetical uh, question, uh, Michelle, for you mm-hmm. is. Uh, Having seen the ebb and flow of life and having been through uh, so many different experiences with your yoga practice, what would you say now when you look back or at this point in time is your definition of a successful life Mm. or a good life? Wow. Or living Um, well. Living well. Mm. So, you know, I heard this quote the other day and, and I cannot give credit because I cannot remember who said it. Um, so I apologize and maybe you can, somebody can Google it if they're really interested. Uh, and it struck me so deeply that it said, you know, the purpose in life is not to be happy. The purpose of life is to have a purpose, right? Mm. Is to find your purpose in life. So I really started contemplating that. Um, Happiness is fleeting. And happiness can be, it's wonderful when it's happening. And it's, I never want to miss out on a happy moment or a happy experience or, you know, anything like that, something that's joyful, um, that I can celebrate. But I also have to allow myself to run the full gamut of emotions, right? Because all of me gets to be show up for this life, right? I don't want to deny any part of myself. So um, I want to be able to hold space for the whole gamut of emotions. And so if all I'm focused on is happiness, then that's only really pulling in part of my life. And I want that. I want to experience that one wild and precious life Mary Oliver was talking about. And to me, when I wake up in the morning, no matter what's going on, no matter whether it's, you know, COVID and here I am and it's, you know, four months in and I'm, you know, still only seeing people virtually over a screen um, and I'm not really sure where I'm going most days or even what day it is of the week, I know that I have a purpose in life. And that really gives me grounding and traction. It gives me um, breadth and depth. It gives me um, peace. And uh, it allows me to move through my life in, in a way that, that makes me feel like I have meaning. So, no, that. I like that. It's, uh, it's the experience of being alive, the experience of being human, experiencing the whole gamut of em- emotions, as you said, uh, this is a beautiful saying I use it in one of my speeches always is, you know, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. Yeah. And, uh, no, it's, uh, I totally uh, resonate with what you just said. Uh, here's a hypothetical uh, question for you, Michelle. Let's uh, go back in time and imagine you're driving with your mom on the freeway in California. You've just done your yoga. You know, you've got this poise and the presence from a few yoga classes you practiced. And you kind of give and it gives some advice back to uh, your younger self. What would you say to her? Mm. I would tell her not to worry so much. 
<laughs> because you can't control things. And that is it. Um, you know, that was, I think, one of my biggest obstacles in life and still is. I, you know, I practice yoga and I have these amazing tools and they give me poison, presence and peace. But I still, I still struggle like everybody else. And, and um, I worry, I worry a lot. And um, I think that I think that that would be the biggest advice is don't worry that you can trust in in yourself and in in the universe a little bit more right um, one thing that yoga has taught me is that we're you know we're not on this journey alone and that I don't have to do everything by myself. I don't have to figure out everything by myself. Humans are hardwired to live in community. And it's interesting, and especially in these times of COVID, like we're in right now, we're all so isolated. Um, it's hard to remember. Um, I mean, thank goodness for for technology and be able, being actually able to see people, even if it's just virtually. But, um, you know, one of the things that the practices does is it actually helps, it, it helps to us to actually have better relationships with one another. And it helps, it helps us to, to have a little bit more faith and trust that we can see a bigger picture playing out. I don't know about you, but when I get overly self-involved, when all of a sudden I forget that I'm not the center of the universe, right? And I'm imagining I'm the center of the universe and anything that I have going on is the biggest deal ever, right? My view gets really narrow and myopic and um, I, I can get very stressed and worried and I start to spin out. And there are simple, simple yogic tools to help kind of broaden that vision and reconnect me to the greater world. And in that greater world, I can see like, ah, I am a part of the great of the of the bigger whole, right? I'm still a part of that. And my part is important. And I can trust that there's a bigger picture playing out that I'm a part of. And so I can trust more in my own inner wisdom, right? That part of us that is beyond the thinking mind that is actually really deep and intuitive. And I can also trust that there's a bigger picture playing out. And I don't necessarily know the game plan, but but if I if I'm flexible enough, and I don't mean that I can, you know, reach over and touch my toes flexible, but if I'm flexible enough in my life, that um, that everything will will eventually shake out. Yeah. No, I totally uh, like your sentiment there because uh, you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's definitely something that we cannot predict how the future goes because I remember last December, uh, you know, as part of my annual vacation and retreat and uh, rejuvenation plan. I tried to go on an international trip and I was in uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico and Shinalani, which is a beautiful, beautiful place. And, and I had 
all these plans for 2020 that how it's going to unfold and you know what the vision was or the goal is and and here we are in mid 2020 with totally unexpected uh uh universal plans <laughs> You know, it's, uh, we got the pandemic going on. We got, uh, you know, the economic challenges. We got the social unrest. And uh, and everything is shut down. And I understand Kripalu has been uh, shut down, too, for the last uh, six or seven months. Is that correct? And they're planning to reopen sometime next year, maybe? Right, yeah. They, um, you know, in the big scope of, of things and, and in their imagining what the what was going to happen and what would have to happen in order to reopen with all the uncertainty uh Kripalu decided not to reopen they closed down on March 13th I think mm-hmm. and decide and they decided not to reopen until 2021 so they're aiming for January we'll have to see what the world is like at that time but uh Kripalu still exists we're just not in the building um, there's a lot happening online these yes. days so yeah yeah and i wanted to make that point because i didn't want to give the impression that the ashram was open right now uh, oh, this is yeah. uh, it's been uh, kind of like shut down and might open uh, sometime early next year uh, but you know this this brings up uh, and i want to talk to you about the summer uh, camp and uh, the one that you've been leading for so many years with jess uh and, and, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I took away from, like, the, you know, the last six months and even from that experience at Kripalu is to embrace uncertainty. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just just be have that way of being with awe and adventure as to how the universe unfolds its own little magic. You know, you can plan all you want, but, you know, <laughs> it's it's better to ride the wave and just enjoy how the universe takes you instead of trying to control it and trying to like force an outcome. And, uh, uh, you know, that's what all high achievers try to do it, be it in business, be it in life. They have a goal, they have a mission, they want to go, go after it. That's the American way of achieving goals and going after it. But this is a different way of a very paradoxical and, uh, I would say a contrarian way of looking at life is to step into the future by being present and to embrace uncertainty and to have that sense of adventure and joy and all. And I think the summer adult summer camp for adults is something that I believe provides you that opportunity to experience what it's like. So could you say more about that? How did you, uh, you've been leading that uh, for so many uh, years now, but what's, what's the idea behind it? And, uh, what's the philosophy behind that whole camp? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the yoga summer camp for adults came about um, because so many people reminisce about their time at camp as a kid. Um, I never went to summer camp. I went to day camp, but I never did sleepaway camp. Um, but I loved hearing other people's stories and, and just reminiscing on my own stories of day camp um, about you know, children and kids at camp, there's, of course, there's nostalgia, but there's also, you know, observing children um, and their, their way that they engage with life can, can really, really teach us so much and about spontaneity, about community, about risk taking, about play, of course. And so we thought, 
you know, so many people said, oh, what I wouldn't give to go back and, you know, do summer camp all over again. You're like, oh, youth is wasted on the young and adults should be able to do that. So we said, why not? Why can't we do it? We have the perfect place. And so we started thinking about all the activities that um, we could do with adults that kind of brought that back, that brought back the, the um, kind of that nostalgia and, and the things that kids really get to do, the bonding with one another, the kind of exploring their own self, um, exploring nature, uh, you know, risk-taking, having fun, playing, um, doing things just for the sake of doing things and, um, you know, and just spending some time away from the, you know, the, the day-to-day, everyday things that adults have, have responsibility to do uh, and not have it be, you know, there is a sense for sure of inner work. There's a sense of, um, you know, as deep as you'd like to go with your own personal uh, inner journey. But really the intention is to get to that through a levity and a lightness and, um, and, and an enjoyment factor. So. Absolutely. And it's like to pause and to remember what truly matters in life and to savor what's, uh, what's around us. And, and, and the most important thing, it's so much fun. It's, <laughs> it's you get up in the morning, you do a yoga class, and then you could have a totally unexpected uh, schedule. You could go for a what a forest nature walk. You could be uh, doing kayaking the next morning. You could be doing some artwork and crafts in the afternoon, and the end of the day with some restorative uh, yoga class from Michelle. And it just. Uh, and then you meet this amazing community, and it's so beautiful. Uh, highly, highly recommend it. And uh, uh, so, so my next question to you, Michelle, is: uh, What is one important lesson that you try to share as a yoga teacher? Of course, you know there are so many uh, experiences that people individually can have. But what's one intention that you know you like to have people experience in your yoga class, your yoga practice? So, as I said earlier, um, I really like people to, I really want to guide people into an embodied experience because, and again, I am so fascinated by the human body. Um, We have this system of communication that is beyond the brain. I mean, it starts in the brain. It's called the nervous system. And it is fed throughout our body. It's like we have a brain that lives in our body. And that body brain is always communicating to us. It's communicating on the most subtle levels of, you know, our experience of life. Usually you're like when you go into um, a stress moment, I'll take, for example, because I'm sure many of us can, um, <laughs> you know, relate to stress moments in, in our day-to-day lives and especially lately. Um, you know, your body is actually sending you signals that you're starting to move into that stress response long before, you know, the, the actual cognitive thinking brain gets there. And so I love, you know, and it, it can be on the other end of the spectrum too, right? The joy, the, the joy spectrum um, and the enjoyment spectrum. So I love, there's so much richness just in having an embodied experience. 
So, you know, people I think are looking for the answer outside themselves. They're looking for some sort of a, of an external source that will tell them what's going on. And yet we have the mechanisms within ourselves. And, and so I want to take them on this journey within Another one of my favorite quotes. Another thing that I actually do at Kripalu, every noon, we have a dance party. Every <laughs> single day at noon, there is a dance party at Kripalu. Um, and it's a group dance party. And you don't have to know how to dance. You don't have to know how to do the box step or a pirouette or, you know, the Rumba electric cha -cha -cha. slide. <laughs> yeah, the cha-cha-cha. You could, you know, you could, you could say I have two left feet and I don't know where to put them. And you still, people still end up having a wonderful experience because it's not about a dance step. It's about embodying oneself. So I love to lead these, these dance experiences because it's, it's free expressive movement. And one of my favorite dance choreographers and kind of guides that I got so much inspiration from the late Gabrielle Roth. She said between the head and the feet of any, between the head and the feet of any given person is a billion miles of unexplored wilderness. Mm, and I, <laughs> I want to take people on this journey. There's so much richness within one's own being and not just the physical body, but the part of us that is energy, that is animation, that is life, the part of us that is the brilliant thinking mind, the brilliant remembering mind, the, the deep intuitive, you know, heart and gut. And that part of us that can experience just unadulterated bliss. So that is what I'm really into as as a teacher is just giving people just the opportunity to experience it if if the opportunity is is it's the right time absolutely and then now since uh, you know the uh, the ocean's been uh, shut down for, for the next foreseeable future you've been offering classes online for people to uh, experience it right they can zoom into uh, your daily class schedule and and try it out and experience it the first time, what it's like, right? They can, they can. I, you know, it's interesting. I was leading a 200 hour yoga teacher training in the building when the building shut down and we decided to take that 200 hour yoga teacher training and do it online. And um, so it was, you know, these students that decided to do this teacher training online kind of shift and pivot and everything that they thought their teacher training would be and, and take it in a totally different direction. They were really pioneers, really brave and vulnerable to do this with us um, as we figured it all out together. And um, in the end, one of the reflections that many of them made was they thought Kripala was a building and what they realize is that Kripalu is the people. And so I think that having an experience of Kripalu center in the building is definitely a bucket list thing. Like it, it is something to behold, to be in that physical space of the building, in that, in that um, sacred presence of the grounds. But 
you can have an amazing Kripalu experience through the people that offer it. So I, I think of myself, and this is my little home studio right behind me um, for anyone who'll be watching this uh, or for Cal, for you watching it, thinking, where is she sitting? This is my little <laughs> home studio. That three days a week, people can log on to my website and register and take a Kripalu yoga class with me. And I really... Um, do my best to in you know to just embody the the teachings of Kripalu and give them that true Kripalu experience through the classes that I offer. Absolutely, and then uh, you also offer personal coaching. I take it one on one for people, and even for experienced uh, yoga instructors who want to take their yoga teaching to the next level or want to make some corrections with how their own personal body movement needs to be adjusted, so you can give them some guidance as well right yes um i do one-on-one private um uh, classes or consultations both for meditation and for yoga and um as well as my group classes and again like i said with the amazing technology of video conferencing like like zoom or um, you know, all the, all the other things that are offered these days that it's, it can be much more useful than perhaps 10 years ago when it, when we had to rely just on telephones. So, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, totally. I mean, you can also experience uh, meditation sessions with Michelle as well. You're a certified meditation teacher uh, and we'll include all of this links in our show notes so people can find out more uh, how to uh, get in touch with you. So uh, switching gears here and in the interest of time, Michelle, I could talk to you all day as we did at uh, the summer camp. <laughs> but, <Yes>. uh, <laughs> but let me, um, uh, in the interest of time, we're going to move on to our next section, which is the rapid fire round. And it's, to, it's a bunch of fun questions that uh, I can ask you. And it's what are the first thing that comes to your mind? So are you uh, ready, Michelle? <laughs> I'm ready, Cal. I'm ready. All right. Okay, let's do it. So the first question for you is, what is your favorite color? My favorite color is blue. Mm, nice. The next question is, uh, what's your favorite, who's your favorite music band? Um, Fleetwood Mac. Mm, I like that band. What's one thing you can do, Michelle, that might surprise other people? One thing that I can do? That might surprise other people. Um, uh, I can knit you a sweater like that. Wow. I had no idea you had that <laughs> skill. That's amazing. I am uh, a mad, crazy <laughs> knitter. Okay. So here's a question. What advice would you give someone who feels they cannot practice yoga because they don't have the right kind of body or they don't have the right background for this what's your one piece of advice for them my one piece of advice is um don't stop looking for your yoga practice or your yoga teacher just like there are hundreds of flavors of ice cream out there just like there are you know you can buy you can buy a t-shirt and there are t-shirts that have you know hundreds of t-shirts and they all fit differently. There is, there is so much yoga out there and it's so diverse and it's so, 
you know, it's, it's so rich that, um, there's not a one size fits all yoga. So keep looking for your, pra- the practice that really rises up to meet you where you are, that there's a yoga out there for you. Oh, nice. Um, the next question is, if you could be successful, Michelle, in any other profession besides being a yoga teacher, what would that be? Or what could that have been? Um, I fancy myself in another lifetime having a knitting store and just sitting around all day and knitting and teaching people how to knit and playing with yarn. That's a dream of yours. I'm sure it's going to come to fruition at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you saw what was in the closet behind me, it's just solid yarn. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here's another one. If you could have witnessed one event in history, what would that be? (gasps) Um, hmm. I would have loved to have seen the... Beatles' very first concert in the United States. That's cool. Um, What's the one word or emotion that comes to your mind when someone says yoga? Compassion. Mm, Beautiful. Uh, The five most important things in life, according to you. The five most important things in life. Mm. Be nice. Um, don't miss a chance to love. Be kind. Just kind of like be nice. Spread it. Don't waste it. Don't be stingy with it. Treat yourself well. And, you know, learn to play. Mm, I like that. That's so amazing. So that brings us to the end of the rapid fire round. And I have just the final uh, three questions for you. The first one is, uh, what is your current personal business or passion project that you're working on, Michelle? And what are you looking forward to in the next foreseeable future, six months to a year from now? And Yeah. Um, well, I think that one of my passion projects that I you know, it's still living up in my creative mind. But I, again, I, I was I was born to be a teacher. I love teaching um, as much as I, I love leading classes. I love leading teaching teacher trainings. And um, I love helping people bring this work out into the world because I'm up on that hill at Kripalu or right now I'm just down the hill in my house from Kripalu. But, um, you know, when I'm working at Kripalu, I'm up on the hill. And when I, when I um, teach teachers, when I teach people how to be Kripalu yoga teachers, they get to go out and bring that work into the world. And what I really want to do is I really want to help support them as they go out on their journey. So I am working um, with a couple colleagues of mine to create a mentorship for, uh, for yoga teachers so that they feel that they can, um, it can be a little lonely out there being a yoga teacher, just um, teaching your classes and going from one place to the other. Um, it seems a little bit of, of um, 
of a contradiction that, you know, you create community and you're lonely within community, but many yoga teachers have said that. And so, um, yeah, so I want, I want to give teachers support as they go out into the world to do these teachings. Oh, that's so great. And uh, it's, it's truly what I'm hearing is community and paying it forward of all the mentorship and all the wisdom that, you know, you can pass on to the next generation and the upcoming yoga teachers so that this message of love and peace can just continue to spread in the world that we need more of today, more than ever. Uh, not that's so great. Uh, what three things you're grateful for uh, lately in life? Three things I am grateful for in life are my health, my health, um, the community that I have connected with at Kripalu um, and the community of folks that I've met through Kripalu that now come and take classes with me online. Um, it's, it's a true treasure to not feel completely isolated in this, you know, in this experience. Um, and I'm very grateful, uh, to live here in the mountains and to be surrounded by nature. Um, I truly think that, that nature is one of the most healing, um, forces that we have. And I'm, I'm really grateful to, to live amongst it. So that's so uh, nicely said and uh, very inspiring as well. Is there anything, Michelle, I haven't asked you that you would like to share? Hmm. No, I don't think so, Cal. I can't. <laughs> My <laughs> mind is just like, <laughs> no, no, I think, uh, you know, and we'll include, uh, you know, more of your uh, uh, information on our show notes so people can find out more about you. Uh, what's the best way for people can reach you? Is it myoga.com? Yes. Yeah. So my website is pretty fully self-contained. It's super simple, right? If you can just remember M like Michelle and the word yoga, myoga.com. And you can get to the online studio from there. I have lots of resources. You can find out about all sorts of things that I'm doing in the future, um, both online and in person. And, um, become part of my online community so no so i want to take a couple of moments here to acknowledge you michelle one thing that i've you know i've experienced just being in your presence is that you have this beautiful alignment of not only the thinking mind the intuitive mind and just that radiant being that you bring to every session everywhere you go and just that poise and uh you know, just the presence that you uh, share with your presence. That's amazing. And and your work is really about uh, sharing and caring and community and love and compassion. And uh, everything that you do is in as, as your dharma, as your philosophy that you share with the world. And uh, we are so appreciative of what you've been doing. And the world is a better place because of that. So thank you for being who you're being. Thank you for doing who you what you do well thank you so much cal it has been like i said a long time coming and such an honor to be on your show and to um and, and a delight to spend this time with you um, it brings me back to that to that week that we got to play in the in the woods and and um 
you know, float on the water and hula hoop and, <laughs> and <laughs> color and all those great fun activities. That we Absolutely. Did. That was beautiful. Uh, one final question, and this is how we wrap up all our interviews. And that is, uh, why do you think that people should listen to the wisdom of friends? I think that people should listen to the wisdom of friends because, um, again, we are hardwired as humans to be in community, to live in community, um, that we're all interconnected and interdependent on one another, and that we each one of us bring a wisdom, our own wisdom, um, into this world with us. And we learn in community and we learn from each other. And so simply coming to hear all of the brilliant guests that you have on and you, you are such a you have such an intuitive way of asking questions. Your questions are so um, thought provoking. Um, and I think that anyone and everyone um, can learn something to enrich their life by listening to your show. Thank you, Michelle. That appreciate the feedback. And uh, really, this has been truly uh, an amazing, amazing conversation. I really enjoyed it so much. And thank you for being so open and generous and sharing your life and your wisdom with all of us. For everybody else listening, uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Carla Rass. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank, Thank you. you. This has been a Seven Symphonies production Join us next time for another edition of The Wisdom of Friends.